I'm Gabby's Jules Blue Skies over West London as we return from Istanbul. Istanbul. Jules, we have treble winners. We are. We have treble winners. We were there. Um, you know, we've had, what, 36 hours to go and, and digest it, uh, yes. this whole thing. Uh, Manchester City, I think if you look at it in the context, I know we're going to argue. They're not deserving champions, right? No, they've been the best team in Europe this season. You can even say maybe last season and maybe even the season before. Well, you knew I was going to say that because that's what I said to you before. Yeah. And, and But even in the context of the Champions League, you know, two years ago, they lose to Chelsea in the final. Were they the best team in the competition that year? I thought so yeah. in terms of the way they played. Uh, last year, they lost to... Real Madrid in the semi-final, giving up those two goals in the last five Incredible minutes. Incredible scenario, yeah. Incredible scenario. Were they the best team in the competition that year? And you know, Liverpool fans may get angry, say, no, we would have beaten them in Paris. Maybe, but we don't know. But you could make a strong case. Yeah. And this year, given who they beat to get there as well along the way, Bayern and Real Madrid, there's no argument, right? No, no argument at all. I mean, I guess the paradox, which the the ultimate paradox is that they won this trophy by playing ugly and not playing well. And they won ugly for all the times that they played really well and didn't get there in the end. This time they didn't play well. They didn't play well against Chelsea two seasons ago and they didn't win it. This time they didn't play well. And you could say that Inter were maybe the better team, certainly in the second half or towards the, the, the last part of the game and deserve more than, than losing. Certainly, they deserve the extra time. And then City won it. So That's the part that, you know, I, I think is worth mentioning. I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that, say that when you say they won it ugly means that, you know, they won it by playing ugly intentionally, not taking chances. No, but not playing, yeah. They didn't play at their level, right? There's yeah, no yeah. argument there. Yeah. And I think Inter's approach actually had a fair bit to do with it Completely. as well. And, uh, you know, I... I'm with people in Zaghi when he says, I think we deserved extra time for, for the way we played. Yeah, Simone. But, well, I'm sure people probably said yeah, the same I'm sure thing. Yeah, I'm sure people as well. Um, although he wouldn't have said we. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, I, I, I do wonder a little bit about that. Can we come out and go so far as to say that in that final, Simone Inzaghi outcoached Pep? Um, are you, are you a good debate? I think we don't have. Yeah, we have a bit of time. The thing with the with the three five two from Inter is that obviously, if you take out the two wing backs, you've got three midfielders. In this case, Barella, Chanoglu, and Brozovic. And what often happens when you play with five like that uh, is that with the three centre backs, you could e you could easily be outnumbered in midfield. And if you look, City are four midfielders. Yeah. De Bruyne, Gundogan, Rodri and Stones. And, and you can chuck and in Bernardo Pep, Silva who came inside all the time. Yeah, but Pep often says that usually your spare man count when you play against a team that have three midfielders and you have four. The thing is, Inter was so good in the final to make sure that there was the, that extra money in midfield, if you want, from City was never an advantage for them. So they, they, they uh, shuffled really well to make sure they had either Damian or Bastoni coming into midfield to be the man on the fourth midfielder, so either on Stones or on the burn on Gundogan, which was great. The thing is, if once you don't do it, if once you're a little bit slow or your midfield is slow to come across, then you might be in trouble. And that's exactly what happened on the goal because Bastoni has to come out really from the first time when he should not have 
because the midfielder should have been there on Akonji when Akonji drove with the ball. And that left a bit of space for Bernardo, who ran into the half space. Really the only time Bernardo did that. And then the cross with a little deflection and then the Rodri finish. But apart from that, it was a really good tactical, almost masterclass from Inzaghi and Inter. But just that moment was when they let themselves down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think you could argue that between the goal, the Holland chance in the first half, and uh, but that's the, not a mistake. It was just so well played between Gundogan no, no, and Bruyne and Harden. No, no, but I was just talking about what City built during the game. Yeah, and and obviously the the, the Foden chance where where he was through and, and Onana True. came out. Those were the three chances that the three clear cut goal chances that that City yeah. had during the game. And yeah. I think when you limit City to that. I think you've done well. Oh, mate, and um, one of XG, but the best team in the world is... is 1.81 to, I think, what was it, like 0.9, I want to, though, underscore that, in some ways, the fact that City suffered through this, and you know, Pep said, we suffered, right? So there's, there's no debate about this. I think it kind of makes it more meaningful. To For to Manchester sure. City. I mean, because like, you have to show the ability to do that, right? There's also yeah. a mental breakdown that happens. Like, why are we not dominating against these Muppets? Why? For sure. I mean, if, why is it not working today? Yeah. I mean, if they could have won three 0 they would have taken that and avoid the stress. And, no, of course, of course. But I I think they knew it was going to be hard, and we all said it. I mean, a lot of people were like, "Oh, City are going to smash Inter," and we said it's not going to be like that. Uh, I think Onana played a huge part in that too. But yeah, I think the fact that City had to dug right. deep, had to fight for it, to make it happen, find a way, be patient, be under pressure too sometimes, I think was, was a great way as well to, of winning it, a different way. All right, Jules, you, you wrote about this. We all commented on it. Um, I, I'm a big Romelu Lukaku fan. Yeah, I, I just like too. him as a person, right? Uh, and he'd had that Nightmare World Cup. He came back stronger. He accepted his role coming off the bench, you know, in, in the big games, that, that kind of passing of the baton from Dzeko to him. He had the chance at, I don't want to use the word redemption, but yeah, he had the chance of making history there. Yeah, completely. Um, in terms of the chances he missed, and I think we can reveal this, we, you, me, and former cities and Arsenal star, Gail Clichy, yeah. in the car together. And yeah. it was interesting to hear Gail talk about from a defender's perspective as well you know what happened with Lukaku now of the three misses the worst one by far was the header right I mean yeah the header in the six yard box really the 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 ball from Guzens I I, I really struggle I think maybe he thinks it's such an easy chance for someone of his level and on his quality it's such an easy chance that maybe like just make contact, don't place it. Yeah, exactly. It. Maybe he took for granted that just a header, and then the ball was in because you could see Ederson having to come across. He can see he can see the ball, so it's not like even if there's a few defenders and he sees the ball late, so he sees it coming. He's got time to to, to just you just see it through. So maybe that's the only. And rewatching the game yesterday and rewatching the chance, I thought, okay, maybe he just thought this is it. It's just a tap in and. Ederson can't get to it, nobody can get to it, I'm here, the, the goal is so close, I can't miss. I, I, I really struggle because this, it's almost harder to miss. The XG on target for that is 0.7, 0.69 to be, to be exactly precise. So seven times out of ten, a player, and you would think of that quality especially, in that position score, it's harder to miss than to score. Well, especially with a goalkeeper 
being where he, yeah, where yeah, he was true. as well. Not even on his, yeah. you know, not even on his, like, on his toes, really. It's, that's the I, one. The one before he takes it on his right foot, it goes between Diaz's leg, he's on the keeper. There was maybe another option, not to shoot, but another option, maybe play Lautaro. Uh, okay, the third one, I think the frustration from the header miss. He, he doesn't even look all in his head. He's like, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot. He's on his best left foot as well. And it's, again, not the right decision. But I felt for him. You know what? I felt for him. At the end, he was, I watched him. He was stood there. Nobody really coming to congratulate, uh, to like hug him or console him or anything. The brain walked all the way across as the City players were celebrating to come and give him a big hug. For me, this is something that you, he might struggle. I know if he comes through adversity a lot and everything, and he's a strong character guy, but this will haunt him for a long, long time. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's a part of me that says, having come through the World Cup and then performed well after you know having such a disastrous World yeah. Cup, but then for this to happen twice in six months, I think I it's difficult to handle. And I wonder, too, we know a lot of footballers are superstitious. I don't know if he is, too, because there was the other, the other time when... You know, the Di Marco hits the crossbar, the ball comes back out to him, yeah. and Di Marco heads it again. Now, we can say there were that wasn't as clear-cut a chance for Di Marco, but ultimately, it hits Lukaku's big body because yeah. he's in the way. And Gale said, and you know, he's played the game at a pretty high level, that, yeah, you're not going to blame him for being in the way of the shot because you know it's coming, but equally, he shouldn't be there. Like, once the header comes... Well, the, the first header, the one that hits yeah. the crossbar. He, he should, should get the, out of the way the and turn yeah. and be, be aware to get the rebound. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's also going to stick with him too. Because to me, yeah. those were two, two big yeah, chances. And in some ways, the but, other... But, but when he came on, though, that's the thing. Because I thought it's not all bad. I mean, yeah, he missed. And there was that. The Marco, but he, I thought he was good because he yeah. was a physical presence. He, he really bothered Akonji and Diaz. You know, he, so there was, he made an impact. It's just that he should have almost like finished off that impact by scoring that goal that would have taken the game to extra time. Yeah, and I think in some ways it helped overshadow Lautaro, who I thought worked hard but had a poor game. Yeah, yeah. Because his chance as well, when he's at a, he's at a tight angle after Akonji's mistake, yeah. Brozovic is wide open in the middle. You can roll yeah. across to him. Yeah. I don't have a problem with him taking it. No, 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 me neither. But I you agree. have to score from there if you're going yeah, to do that. Yeah. And again, credit Ederson. You know, I, I, I'm on the record I mean, saying he really didn't have shot. the greatest yeah, of seasons. Yeah. I, it might be, you know, and it's always difficult and you don't face a lot of shots. But he came up really, really yeah. big in the second half. Um, but just about those last 20 minutes, because this is what really surprised me. You know, Inter have their chance. With with the Lautaro. Yeah. Three minutes later comes the goal. There's an element of good fortune as well because it's it's deflected and yeah, you mentioned yeah. you know Bastoni not coming out as quickly enough. Rodri scores and I thought okay a one nil. Yeah. This is this is pretty much it. Yeah. City can keep the ball away. They control they the game. Inter with their older players chasing them, running around. They just make the pitch big. They'll either win one nil and Inter won't see the ball for the rest of the game, or or or, or if ideally with City they'll score a couple more, you know, yeah. because the spaces will open up. But it didn't happen. And at the end, yeah. it was genuinely frantic. It was. From City. In the last five control. minutes, I, I, was, I felt sure that Inter were going to score. They lost a lot of control in that second half. For, for, the team, for, for a team like this one from City, where, and we've said and that Pep was, had been searching for this ultimate control of games. You don't concede much, almost anything. You still create. You have the ball. You're in, the position play is perfect. For all of that, which... 
to be fair, in the first half they did because Inter, apart from maybe the the Barella lob when when Edison mispassed the ball, they they, they gave nothing away really. That all went out of the window in the second half, especially in the last 25 minutes, like you said, when, Gavin. When it should be easier. Yeah, and Stones went to right back because I think I think I think Pep got scared. At one nil, I think he got a little bit scared of saying, like, "Okay, now they're going to push. Lukaku is on. They're going to start to play long balls, which Inter did." And to be fair, the two chances, the Di Marco on the crossbar and then the big Lukaku one, are either set piece for the second one right. or crosses into the box, which they didn't really do before before that moment. So maybe there was a bit of uh, Pep and the whole team thinking like, "Oh man, we we one nil up. We're in the lead. We have got 20 minutes to go. If we defend well." And even if we just defend, we're going to win this. And so maybe even subconsciously, they started dropping a little bit deeper, thinking more about defending and attacking again. I, I yeah. don't know, because it was really strange to see City like that. And Inter are really good, and we said they, they played so well. But yeah, you would have expected City to just even pass the ball and do like a massive rondo for 20 minutes and, and see the game out. So we know Pep's mentality, like that of a lot of uh, sort of serial winners, is you win, you celebrate, I mean, I think even now as we record this on a Monday morning, he's already thinking to next season. And yeah, maybe probably. A, I'm sure he's probably rewatched the game yeah, the parade today and smart. saying like, all right, what could we have done different? And maybe seeing if there's something he could have done different. Maybe seeing if some players leaving are going to allow him to make different personnel decisions. Yeah. Would it have been a different game with a fit KDB in there? Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, that last 20 minutes... Is that down to Pep? Because you know, you know, if Inter equalize and then somehow win on penalties, we're here killing Pep yeah. for the yeah, last yeah. twenty minutes. Yeah, definitely. Um, more than we're praising Inter. Yeah, yeah. But so remember, remember, what could the they end, have done differently? Remember the end of the Atletico Madrid last sixteen second leg last season, for example, where it was nil nil and they really struggled, and the last twenty minutes, Pep was doing nothing. It was just like Pep was praying, and that was it. And they were under pressure, and Atleti were coming and crossing and set pieces and corners and wide free kicks and everything, and they somehow escaped and qualified if you remember and I felt that this one was a bit like that it was almost just Pep saying now we have to be strong now we have to suffer and we've said all season that they seem to have learned how to suffer and yeah they got a bit lucky of course but maybe that's part of the suffering process I don't know if Pep could have done anything different could he what would you bring Calvin Phillips would you bring Rian Mares to keep the ball a bit more could we look at his substitution and say okay maybe Mares just to keep the ball, just to keep a bit of the ball, get fouled, so you get a free kick, you lose a bit of time. You break the momentum. Yeah, yeah. so maybe Murray's not coming on could have been a bit surprising. But I was wondering if he's, because you know he's going to second guess himself internally, yeah, yeah. Right? not in public. But, but you know, because this is how you get better. Of course. You know, this is how you, this is how you improve. You go back to what you've done, even when you've been successful, and you ask yourself, okay, how could I have done this better? So please don't think this is a criticism of, of Pep, but, but this, it is something that yeah. he's going to look back on. But this one, this is the most important of his three Champions League, right? Is this also the most... This is the best because it's been so long since he had, that he had to wait. Because clearly in the final they had to work so hard for it. And maybe the fact that there was so much at stake for him, as you said, if he'd lost this one, I mean, <laughs> he you know, should have gone in hiding for three months almost. And is that because maybe he was a little bit... I don't know, paralyzed is maybe a bit too strong. But you know, at the end he was a little bit like... Um, was, I don't know what the word, but but it was tense because because of that. Yeah. Listen, he, the first one he won in 09, <laughs> that's his first season. Everything almost when he's were great. 
the 11-1, this is maybe the best football team we've ever seen. So I'm not saying that those were easy, they were not easy, but they were like just the flow was there, everything. Right. This is very different. Well, I think there's no question he was incredibly emotionally invested on this one. And you know, when, when you're at a game, you pick up little moments. I don't know if this was even shown on television, um, but after the Akanji mistake that leads, leads Lautaro through. Yeah, was when he dropped to the floor. He drops on the foot. He's on his hands and knees yeah. like, l l like a toddler. And he's literally on his hands and knees looking up as Ederson makes a save. Um, I mean, I thought that's a really powerful yeah, yeah. Uh, imagery. And I was stuck by, by another image um, at the end when the final whistle goes. All the City players run down to celebrate at the City end. All of them except for one. Ederson. Ederson just collapses to the ground. I, I don't know if he was praying, I don't know if he's a religious man. I don't know what he was doing, if he was just emotionally spent. Seconds earlier, of course, he'd made that save off the, the Robin Gosen's uh, header, which, you know, again, last night on the show, Stevie Nichols says, oh, well, he just, you know, it was a desperation header and he just potted away. I'm like, yeah, but you still have to be yeah. mentally alert for that. I, I was just really struck by that. With Ederson, now he recovered nicely enough that yeah, he ended up messing yeah, around sure. with a guy and with a guy like shaving the mustache and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that was such a moment of of humanity from from, from Ederson, such a just unfiltered, unfettered response because he's literally down there. Yeah, the only yeah, people yeah. near him are the interfans or the interplayers. Yeah, you know, some of whom eventually help him up. Yeah, no, I saw him as well, and I I, I agree with you. I love that Ikagundo one. Uh, was the only City player while everybody was celebrating and then we said KDB came over especially to see Lukaku and everybody else but Gundogan as great captains do was there shaking everybody's hand from Inzaghi to all the players the Serbs the youngsters the staff everybody there before going back to celebrate and then lift the trophy and I thought what a great gesture from Gundogan who is a a really great person but still you know he didn't have to be like that he could have waited another five minutes for example but I thought that was a very very nice gesture what did you make of the refereeing I thought he let the game go flow and we were not sat next to each other to reveal all the, 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 the details I was on the French radio as well during the game and I thought there was a lot of he let a lot of the game go I, th I thought both teams and especially Inter were not happy with him because of that I think Gundogan and we discussed that should have had at least a yellow card, certainly the one on Lautaro when he clattered him. He did two on Lautaro. The yeah. one in the first one, half, one more so. Yeah, the one in the first half. I don't think he does the second one where he literally goes into, he just chucks him in the air. I don't think the second one happens if he's on a yellow. There's no way he does that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So in some maybe. ways they're related. I, I don't... I don't know, it's a hard one because... <laughs> It's a hard one to referee, let's not forget, because Inter plays so well, they defend well, they're very Italian as well in the way they defend and the way they approach this game, and, and, and City are maybe a bit more fi are physical in the way they play, especially defensively. So it's a Champions League final, and I think, yeah. I think he did well. I, 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 I agree too. I mean, we can, we can debate that forever, but you know, one yellow card more or less could have changed the game maybe, but in that context, in those, you know, nearly 100 minutes with the time added on and whatever. Yeah. I thought he let the game flow. At the end, he started flashing cards to avoid things boiling over, yeah. which is fine. I don't have a yeah, problem yeah, yeah. with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think he was the right appointment for the final, and I think he officiated well. Mm. Um, I want to throw something else about... Uh, actually, no, but before I get to Pep, Kevin De Bruyne coming off. Again? Again. Um, 
I felt for him. So you do much. feel for him, don't you? Oh, I mean, the Rudiger one in 2021, that's a clash. I mean, maybe Rudiger was a little bit naughty, but there's nothing you can do. If you're the brain, there's nothing you can do. You come off. This one, a muscular injury like that, half, like 30 minutes in, must be so frustrating. As a player, must be so frustrating. The one, the one before, you can, you can blame Rudiger a bit if you want, but there's nothing you can right. do. This one, I don't know if he didn't warm up well. I don't, I don't know if I, there's some point where he went for a ball he should not have gone. I, I, don't, I really don't understand how the hamstring can go like that. But it's been a long season, maybe. It's been, you know, injuries have kind of crept in, really, with KDB the last three years. I, I think we're seeing the wisdom. Remember when they extended his contract and when people say, like, oh, give him whatever he wants. So people are having this conversation now with Gundogan, right? They're like, oh, like, you know, give him whatever he wants and whatever. Mm. I think City didn't do that with De Bruyne, right? I mean, it was a huge negotiation. They only gave him the two-year extension. Um, and I think this is why they're taking the same attitude with, with Gundogan, maybe part of the reason why he's yeah. not sure if he's going to stay. And I think it's the right thing to do because the reality is as players pass 30, their bodies change. Yeah. And you know, you as a club have to do what's right, what's right for you. Now, I'm sure De Bruyne will be fit again. For me... He remains City's most important player. Yeah, um, it was not the same without him, and it was not the same without him. No, um, definitely not. And you know, just a word quickly on Julian Alvarez, who didn't come on in the finals, albeit to be fair, but who still completed football at the age of 23 because he's won literally everything that he's played for, apart from the League Cup, I guess. But we can we can forgive him for that. The World Cup. The Libertadores, the Copa America, the Champions League, the league in England, in Argentina, the Cubs in the two countries. I mean, I know he didn't play in the final uh, and didn't play much, I would think, in the knockout stages either. But still, he's still there. He's got all the medals. I mean, already the kid yeah. has a trophy cabinet bigger than a lot of clubs in the world. So, wow. Okay. These are the kind of stats that do not impress me, then, as you why know. Not? Because it's because like, what you know how many players have done the double World Cup, Champions League, or European Cup in the same year? Oh, but the same try year. To, Marco try, Materazzi did it. Try to try year. try to get. I mean, this is a kind of trivia. Marco Materazzi year. didn't do it. Not in the same year, but no, no, the same year. So the same year you win the World Cup and the Champions League or the European Cup at the time. Before. I have no idea. So the Bayern obviously did it in uh, in Bayern Germany. Sorry, did it together in '74. So you've got all Sepp Meyer and Gerd Muller and, and all those Beckenbauer, guys, Beckenbauer. Yeah. And so that's, that's seven of them, I think. And then you've got Christian Carambe, obviously, did it with France and Real Madrid. You've got Rafael Varane, who did it in 2018 with France and, and Real Madrid as well. Um, you've got... This is the 12th player this in history. This is nerd 12 trivia, which for some reason he enjoys. Only 12, only 12 players that's in the history fantastic. of the game have done it. It's amazing. That's fantastic. It's really Good for them. Um, I want to tell Julian, you, well done. Don't listen to him. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Pep's future because you know there's headlines today like, oh, he's going to stay another two years. He's going to see out his contract. I was just wondering. I, I, the thought had crossed my mind. And again, this is another thing that we talked about in Istanbul during our, our downtime. Would you be tempted to... Roberto Carlos and Sami Khedira are the other two men. Good, good for them, too. Would you be tempted to move on, having done this? Having saying, like, I, think, I have completed another challenge. Yeah. It's like we play the video game. Yeah, 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 the levels, yeah, yeah. Right? What is my next challenge? What is my next yeah. level? But I think that will come. 
Just not now. I mean, yeah, you could live on a treble, which is incredible. His history. You're the first man to to complete two trebles with two different teams in the history of the game. You've got three Champions League. Only Carlo has one more than you, but you you're almost there. It's not like if you're five behind someone or something. But what? But yeah, so you could. But then you can potentially win the next two. You you can potentially have a team now if you manage well this transfer window this summer and maybe the next one. But you can have something very special too going on. You you know that you are a club where the the spine of it, let's, let's call it like that, certainly the Ferran Soriano, Chiki Begarishtein, Pep, Pep's staff is super efficient, on the same line, same direction. Yeah. They basically do everything you say. You've got still a, an amazing squad of players. Even if you lose Gundogan and Bernardo Silva and Mares, let's say, it's still pretty impressive. You've got Erling Haaland, who potentially can be the Ballon d'Or winner and the best player in the world for the next whatever years with Kylian. So you could think, OK, let's try again. And then in two years, 2025, when your contract expires, you take another sabbatical for a year like you did after Barca. And then you go to Italy, you go to France. I don't know, you go he'll to He'll be 55 then. So he'll be young enough to do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you see what I mean? Yeah, and I do you think he, sh he should go now? <laughs> Look, he should. I'm not gonna tell him what he should do. He should do. I, I did wonder. I don't think it's gonna happen, but you're right. That would seem like the natural trajectory. The thing that could change it, of course, is the Premier League investigation. Mm. Because I think it's pretty much nailed on that if should they be found guilty, and depending on the verdict, yeah, yeah, right. I think that UEFA can impact. actually reopen yeah, some yeah, of their yeah. investigations. There are precedents for this, right? Um, because new evidence would come into light and then that yeah. would be entered and, and, and whatever else. Um, because not all the charges, of course, are, are going to be time-barred. Mm. Uh, so there's that kind of unknown. I also, there's a part of me that also wonders, you know, if Inter can create these problems for me, but you said, like, playing very Italian, being very smart, very tactical, yeah. I don't face many teams in England that play that way. No. Um, would I become a better manager if I went to Italy and did something? Would I become an even better, yeah. even better at my job, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that might be something that crosses his mind. I, don't, I think if he were to go to France, unless he goes to Paris Saint-Germain, yeah, it it's not going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. But if he went to France and he took over Marseille, <laughs> you know, and he beat please. Paris Saint-Germain, please. Ah. So these things are open, and obviously down the road, Maybe a World Cup, but I think only when he's older, because I think he's yeah, the kind of guy that, yeah, needs, that needs the, the kind of the daily engagement. Sure. The, the but you think do you think this makes him the greatest of all time? And again, you and I are the same. It's hard to compare eras. And but if you look at all the criteria that you could look, and really, if you think about the greatest, greatest from Fer from Ferguson, really, maybe in terms of British managers, the best one, Cruyff, of course, more maybe than the uh, Rinus Michels or or others Dutch ma Dutch managers. And then, I, like the Italians, of course, school of managing I, from Saki to Capello to Lippi. But could it be between Saki, Cruyff, and Pep? One of those three has to be the best. Or you add Ferguson into the mix. But is I think he's definitely best? in the conversation. And I think what makes him in the conversation, unlike some of those others, not all those others, is that obviously he's always done it at big clubs, but he's done it at different clubs in different contexts, in different cultures. I think mm -hmm. that is a real. That's something that sets him apart. And also, he's not just somebody who's won a lot, but he's somebody who's also innovated a lot, right? So you yeah. could look at Saki and say, okay, you won two Champions League titles and you won some things with Milan. And then after that, you didn't really win anything. Yeah, but, but changed I also game. changed the game, yeah. right? Cruyff also changed the game. Um, I don't think there's any question that Pep changed the game. Yeah. 
Sir Alex, he didn't really change the game. No. Ancelotti didn't yeah, really change Colin the game, right? Yeah, they did true. different things. So when you look at it totally in context, there's no question in my mind that he belongs in that conversation. Now, I know somebody's always going to come out and say this, and I'll be the first to say it. What would really impress me if is, you know, he went and he took over at Coventry who, this summer done and finished mid-table. Yeah. That would be even more. Okay, fine, great. Yeah, all right, cool, right? But that's not going to happen. Yeah, so no. let's, put that, let's put that to one side. Anything else to add on this Champions League final? Can we say it's a wrap? It's, I, think this, I think this wrapped up this, uh, this season well, don't you think? I mean, we came back really late to our hotel in Istanbul because this is Istanbul and the game kicked off late over there in local time. We had a, a final meal together, you, me and Ogi, you know, like a toasty and a chicken wrap. And, yeah, and then I'm was not going to say where you and Ogi wanted to oh, go at three o'clock in the morning. Like a chain of pizza that, yeah, you yeah. as an Italian got really offended that we even okay. thought about it. So, Although it's not my least favorite pizza chain in the world. <laughs> my least favorite pizza chain, you know what it is. Yeah, and I, I know hate them. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's the famous one. It's the one everybody knows. But still, I put my foot down and we are, I had a toasty. Instead, you had a chicken yeah, chicken wrap. It was, it was good. fun. Yeah, it was good. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash G-A-B-J-U-L-S now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough Champions League. How about more Champions yeah, League instead? Let's go, Gab. Uh, UEFA have released their Champions League Team of the Year. Yeah. Are you good with it? Do you want to run us through it? So Yeah, so Courtois in goal. I think this is, this is fair, of course. Walker, Ruben Diaz, Bastoni, Di Marco, the back four. Stones, Rodri, KDB. I'll go back to the back four because that's where I would have chosen someone else. Okay. Stones, Rodri and KDB... In midfield, as a midfield three, you can imagine Rodri and Stones more on the same line and KDB as, a, as the playmaker. And then Bernardo Silva on the right, Erling Haaland in the middle and Vinicius Junior on the left. So, so it's really a semi-final team. forward team of the season. Yeah, which is, there were still the four best teams right. in there. So I, I, the only thing I would have is I would have Akanji for Walker. And Walker didn't start the final. Akonji had a big, big impact and role to play, as we have explained. In a positive way, but also in a negative way. Okay, he let that ball go from Bernardo Silva, but but he's still Bernardo Silva's pass that was neither for Edison or neither for Akonji or neither for anybody. It was more for me than for anybody else (laughs) on the bench. Um, So, and I think Akonji has been amazing in what Pep has asked him to do, sometimes playing a left back, left centre back when he's right foot. He played a right back against 
uh, Bayern Munich, for example, and did really, really well considering he had like Sané or Coman against right. him. So I've really liked Akanji in this knockout stage. So I would have Akanji for Walker. The rest, I'm happy. Do you have an issue with the uh, center forward who I don't believe scored in any of those games? He didn't score against Real Madrid, did he, Holland? No. In, uh, in either leg? Um, and was rubbish sure again in the final? 12. He scored 12 in the competition. It, it does feel... It does feel a little bit there, and this is always my issue, right? These, these team of the seasons. This is a team from the semifinals forward, right? That, there's no question. They have three of the four. Yeah, but no, otherwise Haaland wouldn't be there because he, he was not good in either semifinal or the final. But he's the most famous guy in there, and he scored 52 goals in the season. Yeah. So oh, let's use a different standard. So who would you have? Forward. Lautaro? Well, that's the problem. There's nobody obvious for center forward. You Kylian so if you end- want, but like, <laughs> yeah, pushing it. Yeah, yeah, I think Kylian said uh, au revoir a little bit early. Yes. Gab, it was nothing like Paris last year when we were in Istanbul this year, but still, once again, there were logistical problems uh, at this year final between the heavy traffic, which is something that has Istanbul all the time, but still heavy traffic, closed subway stations. It was difficult for fans to get there. Why can't UEFA get this right? So... This final obviously was chosen, I think, back in 2020. They had postponed it twice um, due to COVID. They got it back. The, the idea was they told Interfans to go to the um, to, to use the, to take the subway, yeah. and they took they told City fans they, they laid on shuttle buses for them. Um, I I think UEFA says well. Unofficially, I think UEFA would say that, well, you know, we got the report from Paris. We're going to implement it going forward. They already had a report. That's not an excuse to me, frankly. Um, I think by the same token, we can also say there was no trouble whatsoever between the two sets of fans. No trouble between... It was full by kickoff. Yeah, no trouble between fans and, you know, local ultras. It sucks that some people had, you know, were left without water and it took them forever or whatever. It It really sucks that it shouldn't be happening. Hopefully they get it right uh, next year. Next year is Wembley, right? Yes. It should be, surely. Well, on the wall, yeah, because remember, remember how good the uh, FA and the local London police were. No, but that was at the, the Euros, yeah, the Euros. The, Euros. Fine. Yeah, so the same people are going to be in no, charge of this crap. True. true so hopefully true, they've true. learned their lesson. True. William Saliba has agreed a four-year contract extension with Arsenal. Jules, I think this is huge. And an underreported story. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's not completely done yet, but we're nearly there now. It's been a long, long negotiations, longer than the. I mean, Bukasaka was long, but at least it, you know it happened. Ramsdale, Odegaard, the, the, those were the key players that they wanted to extend, and they got it with him. I, I think the difficulty was because he arrived so young. Uh, at the time, and then went on loan, obviously, right. to Nice and to Marseille. Um, nobody maybe expected him to be so good this season before the injury. So there was a lot of discussion to be um, Speaking of contracts, very happy. which supposedly have been agreed but not signed yet, blah, blah, blah. You're I'm, nearly there. No, no, no. The Lionel Messi one, can you just... Do, oh. you know, I, I, I didn't put this in a quick case, but no, I'm just going to go to quick... I don't quick. think we're we even near being done, the Messi one, right? So is everybody kind of losing their mind over this a little bit? Are no, because if he's accept, accepted to go there, they must have in principle an idea and then you just have to make it happen for him, which for MLS and seeing how the structure of... But it's weird that you would announce is, it before signing. 
there's all issues of leverages. I don't know. I'm just no, wondering. But it's like me I mean, and you. Can you cannot? We meet online and we say we love each other, but we haven't met. We haven't maybe, kissed properly. I presume you also told the Saudis he'd love them. I know, so. but we know the kiss between you and I is going to happen at some point when we meet each all other, right. and that's it. You know. Okay. It, it is okay. pride. Unless you don't want to kiss me. No. Brahim Diaz is back at Real Madrid from his loan at Milan, uh, and given the way he said goodbye, it sounds like he's going to stay. In yeah, it sounds like he believes he's going to be part of Real Madrid's um, the Real Madrid squad for next season, which I guess didn't make sense with with Asensio gone yeah. um, and maybe one or two others. Uh, it was emotional. I think Milan to, yeah. would have kept him if they could have. Hopefully, he'll contribute more than what Hazard contributed yeah. to Real Madrid. I think I, I think that they, he comes back a better player than yeah. uh, than when he left. In three years, he's much better now compared to when he was when he left, for sure. Al-Hilal, we're in town to talk to Neymar. Jules, I bet Paris Saint-Germain have their fingers crossed. Yeah, and so do I. And my, and my toes, and my legs, and my arms, everything. He doesn't want to go to Saudi Arabia. That's the problem. Uh, I think he's open, as we've said before, to leave the club. He can feel that he doesn't really want to be there. This is not really a good time for him. Remember, the ultra is coming at his door, all of that, which is not nice and should not happen anyway. But he will not leave for something that doesn't suit him, where he can still have an impact, where he can win stuff. It's not just about the money for him. And I don't think that right now, at his age, going to Saudi Arabia is an option. It might be in a few weeks' time, but right now, I don't think that's that's what he wants. Well, maybe Real Madrid can pay. Uh, sorry, Paris Saint Germain can pay ninety-five percent of his wages, and he can go to Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Xavi was pretty clear that no? he doesn't want him back. So I don't know. I still think that he would like to go to the Premier League. I still think that he would like to. You go listening, Tarboli? The problem with Chelsea is there's no <laughs> Champions League. I guarantee you, if Chelsea had qualified for the Champions League, then it would be it would be a very big option now for him and for them nice a bit more difficult but we'll see we'll Bundesliga see. yeah Gab we spoke about this on Thursday uh, but I know you were excited so because you were not here and you were not with me for the quickest I will ask you again Sheikh Yassim made his final offer on Friday for Manchester United with a strict deadline that has already disappeared and there's no deadline the, the, the offer is still there and the Rain Group are set to name their preferred bidder this week. Well, this is the new part of the news, right? That the Rain Group has come out and told us that uh, so there's always something going on. Yeah. Also, we also find out that his final offer, which this is my final offer, that you have until Friday, otherwise I'm going to withdraw it. That no, actually, these people said no. What we actually mean is the offer's still there. We're just not going to make an improved offer. Oh yeah, okay. but the offer's still there on the table. Uh, this is such incredible nonsense. The office offer reportedly five billion plus one billion in future investment. That is um, incredible investment. Well, you know, but when when Chelsea, did, you know, the people still say that like Boldy bought uh, and his group bought Chelsea for four point two five billion because they count like the future investment they'll make in the next ten years. It's the same crap here. Yeah. Right? So they can pretend it's six billion. I'm sure. The Glazers will will will, uh, will see through that, um, but funnily enough, uh, I think they're going to lean towards the other way, towards the Sir Jim Ratcliffe offer, uh, which would be around sixty percent, and then he would buy out the Glazers over time. Yeah. I still think there's the offer, the other possibility where the Glazers just simply borrow more money. Yeah. Um, and there's also the fourth possibility, just the Glazers do nothing. Nothing happened. Yeah. Which, you know, they, nobody's holding a gun to their head. By the way, uh, we talked about this in Paris as well. I was impressed by the fact that I kind of feel that whatever happens with rain, Khaldun al-Mubarak and City know what's going on. Yes, yeah. uh, of course. Khaldun al the chief executive of Mubadala. Mubadala, of course, owns 9% of the rain group, which makes you wonder, why would you choose the rain group? 
<laughs> I don't know. And also, Chelsea fans, if you want to complain about this ownership group as opposed to the other ones, you know, yeah. you can go tell yourself that uh, that Haldun arranged it. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But sticking with the sale, Paris Saint-Germain big boss Nasser Al-Khalifi denied that he's involved with the Manchester United bid. So he did say that if he's Qatari, if people ask him questions, he'll tell them what he thinks. Yeah, he was pretty strong uh, in his press conference on Friday in Istanbul as, as the head of the ECA, of course, saying, you make me laugh. All that makes me laugh. Like, if I'm asked a question, if I can give my advice, my opinion on stuff, I will always do it, whoever you are, whether you're Qatari, whether you work for Manchester United or you are Manchester United. He said, this is what I do. Uh, I give advice. I give opinions when I'm asked. I said, okay. Yeah, so I I'm sure Sir Jim asked him yeah, for sure. opinions as well. Not sure who. But yeah, he was very, very um, strong denial. So, you know, you believe, believe who you want, really. Silvio Bellisconi, sad news. Gabi has passed away today, age 86. How could you best describe his impact on Italian football? I mean, Milan especially, of course, but Italian football as, in general. I don't think it's Italian football. I think it's world football. Um, and I'm going to leave aside, obviously, all the political aspects and the criminal legal aspects of his career. Bunga, just focus yeah. on then the bunga bunga. Focus just on on the football thing. Um, obviously, he he put together that that Milan side, which won, um, which which won consecutive European Cups under Rodrigo Sacchi, the one with with Van Basten, Jole, Baresi, Maldini, whatever else. But all the stuff that he was talking about in the '80s. Um, so much of it has come to pass, right? Um, shirts with names and numbers on the back that you kept the yeah. whole season long. Um, squad rotation, right? Having 25 players in your squad and to the point that, you know, one season he played one team in the cup but another team uh, in the league. Um, the European Super League uh, as well. I mean, he was a huge proponent of it, you know, 40 years ago. Um, going so far as... as, as the whole rise of merchandising and club shops and stuff like that. His shops called Milan Points. They were, I mean, they were as ubiquitous as as McDonald's and yeah. uh, are in many European uh, uh, capitals. He pushed all this stuff at a time that today we take it for granted. The whole commercialization of the game, uh, tours, tours of of, of the Far East, yeah. tours of the United States. He was the one pushing all that. Um, so in that sense, he contributed so much um, into making. And so I know some people don't like it, um, but he was he was really really um, a trailblazer. Again, for for positive or for negative, I'll yeah. leave that to others to decide. But um, the people came after him essentially followed in his footsteps in terms of how we run the game and seeing the sport as entertainment first and foremost. And um, and some people again won't like him for that. But um, but tremendous. He'd love to say that. He was the winningest president in the history of the game. Um, and then somebody added up how much Alfredo, uh, how much uh, Santiago Bernabeu won, and said, "No, this isn't true." And he's like, "Well, it feels true," you know, which is <laughs> you know a typical Berlusconi type yeah. uh, comment. With Alexis Michalister in the bag, Liverpool are now strongly linked to Manu Kone from Borussia Mönchengladbach and Kefren Turam from Nice. I suspect you like one of these guys more than Ooh. the other. Well, actually, they're, they're both from Paris, so I love them both. Of course, dearly. It just depends. If you prefer tea or coffee, they're just a bit different profile. Okay, Which one's coffee? I can guarantee you Klopp prefers coffee. Yeah, he probably prefers coffee just for the, you know, the... Um, Bring the noise. Yeah, exactly, the energy. And heavy, the, yeah, heavy the, metal football. The caffeine. But Kony maybe a slightly more defensive profile, of course. He's a more of a 
he intercepts the ball, break down the opposition's attack, that kind of stuff. I think Kefren is more gifted technically than Kone. I don't think there's any doubt like that. Can play higher up on the pitch, maybe can create more, can score more certainly. So it really depends what you want. But they're two very, very talented, hugely promising players. Not like McAllister, not at that level. They're not developed of, yet to yeah, the level they've you never played McAllister. Champions League football, for yeah. example. They've won a play for France once and that's it. So, yeah, this is what, but I, I think for the future, they will be great. And certainly they're affordable too. Um, Nacho was a free agent, but we stick around another season of Real Madrid, Gab. Does that make sense to you? Well, you know that we know that Carletto Ancelotti is sticking around another season. Yeah. Um, I think it does make sense. As you know, my view was just blow up the team. All the free agents, all gone except for Dani Ceballos, maybe if it's a club-friendly deal, and maybe let Carletto go as well and yeah, yeah. have a transition year. Now that we know that that's not happening, he trusts Nacho. Nacho's obviously really loyal to the club, very versatile. I have no issues with, with no, him staying. And club captain now as well, of course. Exactly. Let's get this out of the way because it will probably rumble on all summer. Paris Saint-Germain and Bernardo Silva. Woohoo! Come would it Bernardo. not make more sense to hire a manager first? Yeah, but who, what manager would not be happy with Bernardo Silva and his team? I don't know, somebody who says like, hey, look, you know, maybe we'll really enforce the financial restrictions and no, so... Nah, all right. Okay. Hey, all right. I don't happy. know. Luis Campos yeah. is like... Uncle Luis for Bernardo. I think Bernardo yeah. wants to come. Let's see if it can happen. Conrad Lehmer confirmed what we already knew, that he's joining Bayern Munich. Gab, I know Ica Gundogan keeps getting linked to the club, but how many central midfielders do they need? I was thinking about it because it's obviously different profile, but you know, you've got Kimmich there, you've got Ryan Gravenberg there, you've got Goretzka there, you've got Sabitzer coming back. Yeah. And now you add Limer, okay, it's good for Tuchel to have options. and That's a lot of options, though. You don't need Gundogan unless yeah. Kimmich is moving on, and I really would not want to see Kimmich move on. No way, shape, or form. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 18-year-old Atletico Paranaense center forward Vitor Roque is being linked to Barcelona today. Jules, yeah. right fit? So, uh, so they've, they've been looking at him and kind of following him and his progress for a long time. Now, Xavi talked about him the other day when he had that big interview with, with Mundo Deportivo, I think it was, um, or Sport. And I think there's even an, an offer on the table. I think they see him perfectly to whether he comes now and learn with Lewandowski and plays a bit and then Lewandowski... When he goes, then he'd be ready to take over, basically. I think that would work very nicely. I think he's a very exciting prospect, there's no doubt. He can and he's left-footed, and so you're always big on that. And, and I think he's got that technical ability as well. The finishing, I saw the goal they scored in the last game against uh, Atletico Minero, I think it was. And, and yeah, I think I, I can see why Xavi is quite 
keen on him and what Barcelona are keen on him, but he's still very young. And again, we go back to Hendrik, to Vitor Roque, to those kind of players that it's good. He works for Vinicius, he works for Rodrigo. Would he work for any of them, like those two, Hendrik and, and Vitor? Yeah. We'll have to see. Work great for Rainier. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. You're right. This, this is, but again, you, I guess at that age, you don't know, you take the gamble. Yuri Tillemans has left Leicester, as we know, and he signed for Aston Villa. Gab, we're both big fans, but you'll be surprised by the destination? I, I am really surprised. Um, all I can think of is maybe he didn't want to uh, move house, Leicester, not far from, <laughs> really? uh, uh, from Aston Villa, from Birmingham or Aston Villa. I, 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 I know, obviously, he had a difficult season, but he's not that old. He's a phenomenal it. midfielder when he's fit. Um, Surely like Spurs, someone like Spurs would have gone for him, no? I, I mean, I would have thought Arsenal, frankly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, were heavily linked Or I'll go even further. You can say, well, still, he still isn't fit, but he would have done a better job at Manchester City than um, Calvin, Calvin Phillips yeah. would have. Ah, even um, United with McTominay. Yeah, I mean, I, like honestly, I... If you're getting the real Telemans, and there may be injuries, issues, yeah, there yeah, may be yeah. stuff that we don't know, but if you're getting the real Telemans, I think he walks into any top six side. Yeah, I know? agree with you. Yeah, completely. I'm, I'm, a big, I'm like you, I'm a big fan. I don't really understand that at all. But well done, Villa, because I think they're getting a wonderful player. Jose Mawar will be joining Jose Mourinho at Roma. Jules, I guess this means the special one stays. How oh, excited should Romanisti be? Well, again, a bit like with Tillemans, it depends what kind of award you get. If you get the one I speak that the Champions League um, game against City, for example, that campaign in Europe, that season of lockdown, then yeah, of course, great in midfield. Him and Pellegrini can combine really well with whoever plays up front, Dybala, Tammy, you know, whatever. I think this is a system that could fit him. But if you get the hour of the last couple of years, for example, that kind of lost his way completely. That he also, also had an injury too, then he came yeah, back. Injury, but still, I think the, 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 he wanted to move before, didn't happen, he didn't really want to stay at Lyon, he had to, that didn't work. Um, maybe for Mourinho, he needs to work a little bit on the work ethic and work harder during matches. He's, he's a kind of elegant playmaker, if you want, that doesn't really put his foot in. I think with Mourinho, he will have to. And suddenly, I, I, I saw him like that in the Champions League. I, I saw his first interview with Roma, and um, and I was shocked that the guy gives an interview in Italian, and I couldn't work out why he speaks Italian, you know, with an accent, obviously, but why he speaks Italian so well, given that you know he's from Lyon, I believe he's lived in Lyon all his life. Oh, yeah, he you know, this learned. isn't. Yeah, but he's a very smart guy. That's the he's thing. an educated guy. Very, very smart, very educated, an intelligent player. So football IQ is high. IQ in general is really high. But so they don't they, they wouldn't teach Italian in French public schools, definitely. I would assume. And it's not like, you know, when Thierry Henry came to Italy he could speak Italian, but he was in Monaco, so that makes sense. But, but Leon yeah. is nowhere near Italy. Right? Yeah, not far. It's what? just the other side of the the mountain, so it's not You have to literally go over the tallest know, mountain know, in Europe like, still, to get to the other side. To go to Serene, so. No, but even then you go to you you're in Val d'Aosta. It's like it's five hundred miles. What do you want? I mean, mean five hundred miles, it's surely not that far. With the tunnel to Turin, it's not that far. I, whatever. I'm You're sure. closer than from Paris or, you know, Bordeaux. Whatever, yes. I, I'm, I'm sure he went to Turin to, to have John No, 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 but yeah, you are. I was, also, I was surprised, okay. pleasantly surprised. But I'm not, in a way, I'm not surprised because he's a really smart guy. The people who own the San Francisco 49ers in NFL are said to complete the takeover. Gab of Leeds United buying up co-owner, your friend, Andrea Radrizzani. Good news for Leeds? 
I mean, post relegation, I, I think there was obviously you know some tension with Redizani yeah. uh, as well. Some of the decisions that were made. Um, the good thing about this Niners group is that you know this isn't like sometimes you see new owners coming from the states and coming in and saying you come into a cold, which means you usually get advice, and they often get advice from the wrong people and yeah. they do and say silly things like let's have an all-star game or yeah. like, let's, uh, let's give all the money to Tuchel like let me go let's like okay, let's sorry. play 4-4-3 all right I picked on Bully enough right, for, for this show um, but these guys know what's up because they've been I think for the last three years they've they've been the minority owners of the club so presumably they've watched they've studied they learned um, I sort of Rizzani obviously trying to get the money out so that he could acquire some daughter who just been relegated. I yeah. think that situation is still to be resolved. Um, but uh, I think in the end, when you look at where Leeds were under the previous Italian owner yeah. and where they are now... I mean, it was hard he, to do worse than the previous one. But equally, the fact that... Well, the one before that, I was uh, like, yeah. taking Ken Bates. But <clears throat> the fact that, at the very least, if Raditzani leaves them the 49ers consortium people, then I think Leeds fans should be grateful for that. Yeah. That, you know, he was able to track them into yeah, yeah. it, you know. We don't just have Champions League winners in Europe, but in Africa too. Mohamed Abdel Monim's uh, header with 13 minutes left gives Al-Akhli a 1-1 draw away to Al-Widad, and they win 3-2 on aggregate. Which This was revenge for last year when Al-Widad won it. Yeah, that's right. 11th title now for Al-Hali. Amazing, by far the most successful club uh, in Africa. 11th with the titles. The next one are, are five, Zamalek and, and Tupisan Mazembe. So well done to them. They clearly have this experience and the know-how, the savoir-faire in their competition. And and yeah, well done to them, especially when you can play the same final back to back and then this time this time winning it. It kind of ruined. Obviously, it would have been a great year for Morocco with the World Cup semifinals yeah, and, and everything. Um, I want to get out to a Champions League, to an African Champions League final one of these years. I wish they wouldn't schedule it the, the day know, after always, yeah. the UEFA Champions League final. Um, because, but it's interesting too. So Alakli will get about four million dollars for winning it. Um, Manchester City, I'm guessing, will get well over 140 million. And so when you wonder about sort of competition yeah. level playing field, but sure. I think the, the the CAF Champions League is growing year on year. Yeah, and, and there's the Super League talks, right? For and there's a Super League debate, and I'm 100% against the Super League for Europe. I do wonder whether this isn't a way for, for Africa potentially to grow, yeah. and most of all, to hang on to their talents, right? Because yeah. right now we have a situation where, you know, in Africa, these people play in youth academies and, and, and whatever else. And then the best ones get plugged, usually by French clubs, actually, you know, <laughs> Belgian clubs, but yeah. clubs all over Europe when they're 16 or 17, which means that you're going to get very, very little compensation, even if you're going to be a feeder. Yeah, yeah. Right. If there was a way to keep them there until you're 20, 21 years old, continue developing and then you come to Europe. At least these clubs would get would yeah, get something for them. Sure. Uruguay are world under 20 champions. Gab Luciano Rodriguez scored the only goal late in the game after Villa as well as they beat Italy 1-0. Another defeat for Italy. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I, w I was you thinking of you watching it I, and I'm sorry. The pitch was horrible, to be I, fair. I, Italy didn't play well. Yeah, look, Uruguay fully, fully deserved this. Italy did not play well. No. Uh, it was it was a 
bad pitch. I thought they were lucky that Prati wasn't sent off yeah. for that tackle was overturned by VAR. I can understand why it was overturned, but still, uh, Uruguay fully deserving. Regarding this business with the lost finals, Jules, I'm uh, just saying. I mean, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Four and four. Yeah, I, I can go back to say when Italy played rubbish football and were totally undeserving and won things, is that better than today? Because when I look at these finals, yeah. in my mind, performance, points, you know, like figure skating, uh, Fiorentina <laughs> deserved to win against West Ham. Inter deserved at least a draw. I think they could have lost an extra time, but a draw in the 90 uh. minutes against Manchester City. Roman Sevilla, that was a toss-up. Right, Sevilla probably deserving to win, yeah. but whatever. Um, this, not like those, because Uruguay I mean, totally deserved to win this game. I just hope that, because Italy are in the semi-final of the Nations League, obviously, I hope for you that you don't go to the final and lose the final, because I won't let 5-5 five five go. I'm telling you that for sure. Or 6-6. Six six. The Women's World Cup is coming up too. Why yeah, but six I can six? tell you that. They're not going to reach the final of that. Right. But, but in the Nations League, you can still have a chance. But what, Uruguay, first ever under 20. They lost twice in the final before on penalties, including against the French and Paul Pogba's generation in 2013. So, you know what? Italy are also uh, in the uh, European Under-21 Championships this summer, yeah, by the so way. So France. So we see can... Our Amazing. Spot. We could make it seven of seven finals. Yeah, Ryan Shirky plays for France, by the way, in this competition. You know, he still has I'm just time. Saying, I'm he just still saying. has time to change his mind. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Celtic have a four-man shortlist drawn up to replace Ange Postecoglou. Jules, who you got out of this bunch? Brendan Rodgers. No, thank you. Don't go. Enzo Maresca. I like that. Daniel Farke. No, please come on. <laughs> the guy looks like a dog. I know. <laughs> Sorry, I had a bunch of it. That's just funny. I, I, thought, I don't think Farke is a bad manager. No, I don't think And? And? From Bordeaux Glimt. All the Chattel way. Newton. Newton. All the way from literally where Santa lives, pretty much. Uh, so, Mariska and Newton are my two favorite. You would I think, thought you would say that. Yeah. You would, and I know they're a bit of a hipster choice. I get you a uh, you know, don't shout me. Daniel Farker used to be the hipster choice. Yeah, and then he ago. went to Norwich, and then we know what happens. Uh, Brendan Rogers, no, don't just don't go back, don't hire him back. Nutson has the kind of experience that Mariska doesn't have, though. Mariska has the Pep experience that Nutson doesn't have. Yeah, for having been in the staff with Pep this, with Pep this season and quite involved, I would love to see Nutson uh, uh, in. In Celtic Park, I think he has great ideas. What he did with Bodo Glimt was fantastic. The way they played, the way they pressed, all that kind of intensity, I think would be a very good kind of follow-up to what Ange did at Celtic. So for me, if it's possible, I would go nuts. I, I obviously, I'm obviously going to be biased. I love Maresca as well. Um, but I do think maybe another year with Pep would suit him. When yeah, he went yeah, out on his true. own, it didn't work out at Parma. Uh, Nutsen seems to be very, very much aligned with Johan Yabi as well, which I think yeah. can only help you. Um, Brendan going back there, you really have to judge no. his motivation, you just yeah. judge his state of mind after what happened at Leicester. He's going to be far more expensive, I would presume, than you these other guys so. as well. Yeah. So, yeah, my vote would also be would yeah. also be Nutsen. That's good. Well, in the last show, Gabby, when you were in Istanbul, we mentioned that Paolo, Paolo Maldini left Milan last week alongside with sporting director Ricky Massara. Are you surprised? So I gave my opinion to it. You obviously have much uh, more expertise on this. Are you surprised? And and what's the plan now that they both have left? Well, I think they uh, they looked at this, and you know, Paolo Maldini very clear. He does not just want to be like a club ambassador, right? Um, and I think the way Redbird want to go and run this thing is they've got Jeffrey Moncada, who they rate really really highly. Yeah, yeah. 
who's kind of like the scouting recruitment identifier dude. They've got a whole massive analytics uh, uh, group led by uh, one Luke Bourne, who goes and they combine, so they combine the eye test of Moncada with the analytics. Yeah. And then they need somebody to go and do the deals, negotiate the deals, which, you know, I think Giorgio Furlani, the CEO, is going to um, is going to handle that part. And so they said, well, I think Maldini also said, well, where do I fit in? And, and really Ricky Masada as well, because Ricky Masada was kind of the, the, the execution guy, right? The guy who knew how to negotiate, yeah. um, even though he does have a pass as a sporting director. I can understand it. I think Maldini leaves with his, again, head held high. Um... But equally, if he wants to be more involved, you know, and it's not going to happen. There's nothing wrong with him. But was it a matter of Maldini wanting more investment in the sense that you just don't buy players on data or young players like a De Ketelea, let's say, or Chao of Ranks who didn't really work out? Some have worked like Magic Mike or Leao. Others not so much, and the ownership still wanting to go down this route? I think Maldini's view, um, but to some degree, I mean, it almost seems like a stereotype is, yeah, it's great to go with kids and value signings, uh, but there is merit to older players. And again, they, they can still be free transfers, but players who know how to win. He believes in kind of the intangible, the professional. He would probably bring up somebody like, like Olivier Giroud, for example, yeah. who, you know, he's got the pedigree and, and whatever else. And that, that matters, right? And that's not something that's going to come out you know, with a scout watching him, and it's not something that that's going to come out with a bunch of nerds looking at numbers watching him. So I think he wanted more of a mix of this, but um, I think the club have a pretty clear line about how they want to handle it. And look, it's it's a credit to him. I, I can't see Maldini ever working at another club yeah, or being involved in another club. But you know what? And I have a ton of respect for Maldini because after he left Milan as a legend, you know, he was offered jobs back at Milan a million times, both under Berlusconi and the subsequent owners. And he said, no, because I don't want to come back and be a club ambassador. Uh, I don't want people using my yeah. image. Um, and so now he walks away like the gentleman that, that he's always been. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Peter Boss oh, is back. He's replacing Rude Van Nistelrooy at PSV Eindhoven, Jules. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's good that he's back in the game, I guess, because we can make more fun if if needed. We need more shaven-headed Dutch yeah, managers, right? Yeah, we need more right? the bald guy. Van Nistelrooy uh, had, like, the wrong hair profile. That's very true. Uh, weird story, obviously, with, with Van Nistelrooy, who left before the end of the season when when he didn't feel backed up by, by the club. Uh, I mean, Peter Bosch, from what we saw at Lyon or what we saw at Dortmund before, not good enough, clearly not good enough. Clearly, problems with... Relationship with some players. I, I don't think the ideas are wrong, but the the way he implements them, okay. I certainly at Lyon, well, I was really struggling to understand. So I, I, it's a I, big job. I'm going to make a resolution. I expect to be held to this. I want to be fair to Peter Boss. I'm going to hit the reset button on my view. Oh, really? Of Peter you Boss. forget the past. I'm going to forget the past, and I will judge him exclusively on what he does. Okay. That's going to be cool. Nabi Keita is leaving Liverpool as a free agent. We knew that. Gab, are you surprised? However, 
Where is going next? Yeah, he's signing for Vader Bremen. Which Why? I thought was weird. He's taking, obviously, you know, he's going to make a lot less money yeah, than, big than he made at Liverpool. Um, I, you know, there's two ways to look at this because I would have thought, okay, obviously you've had a really poor stint at Liverpool, but but you're still Nabi Keita. And it seemed weird to me that the first offer that comes along, you know, teams get antsy and desperate over the summer. Yeah. There's a million, you know, if Liverpool are a top 10 team in Europe, Werder Bremen are probably, what, between 50 and 60 in Europe? Yeah. Maybe even lower, yeah, yeah, maybe right? Maybe not. So I think you could have waited and you said, hey, you know, wait for a team between 20 and 30 or 30 and 40 yeah. in Europe, right? Um, but also maybe in two weeks all the preseason start, uh, you know, football restarts, maybe he wanted to know to be... I think he wanted to know and I, and I think they sold him on him. They sold him on the plan that they have. They sold him on where he fits in. Um, I don't have a problem with, with a guy saying, you know what, I'm going to prove my worth, you know, yeah. several tiers down from where I was before. And, you know, Werder Bremen used to be a really, really big club. Yeah, used to be. Maybe he can get them back. Tottenham Hotspur will need to replace Hugo Lloris, of course, who's Aww. leaving the club. They've reportedly asked about Brentford's David Raya, yeah. but the asking price is $40 million. And That sounds like a lot. I mean, come on. Yeah, I think he's great. Really, really good. One of the best goalkeepers in the league, both with his feet and, and with his hands. But $40 million, come on. I mean, like, you know, this is the goalkeeper market we're talking about. I know, for example, Dibu Martinez left Arsenal for Villa for $20 million. So, OK, if that's the ballpark... You look at this and you think, okay, Raya in a so so from big club to to medium club, let's say a Villa, twenty is a lot. If you go from middle club now, uh, from Brentford to a top clubs, you add ten million, not twenty million. So let me ask third, you this. I think thirty is fair. Thirty would be fair. Let me ask you this: Edward Mendy has two years left on his contract, yeah. um, and obviously, as does Kepa, incidentally, right? Yeah, Kepa yeah. though. And I think they both make roughly... I mean, Mendy does not, is not on a huge... I think he's still on his original salary of when they signed him. Yeah, I think so. Even they signed him for $20 million, he's not on... Yeah, a bit less than that. Yeah, he's not yeah. on a lot of money, right? Um, would he be a fit at Spurs? I, I, would, I would think that Postecoglou wants... And I think Edouard can play with, you know, with his feet. I, th I think when he was at Chelsea, certainly with Tuchel, that's the things that he worked a lot on. I think Raya is, is better in terms of distribution and maybe Postecoglou wants that and in that case I think Raya fits more what they would want to do same for Ten Hag for example at United I would take Raya United 100% but are you ready to pay 40 million for a goalkeeper when you have other positions and Spurs are the same they can't just put 40 million on a goalkeeper if that means there's not much left for the other position especially as centre-backs for example that they really have to strengthen and strengthen well so that's where, again, for the clubs who have a lot of business to do and a lot of position to strengthen, and money is not, they can't just spend and spend and spend and spend, they would have to be careful. You know what I would do? Let me give Bowley an idea for free. Go on, for free. Listen, Todd. <laughs> Mendy and Kepa both have two years left on their contracts, yeah. right? You have to, one of the two, you know, they can't both start. There's no European football for Chelsea this season. Uh, if you just leave a guy on the bench, he's going to get worse. I would look in to give somebody a one-year extension, one of the two. Yeah. Obviously, you want Pochettino to choose one. The other guy, you give him the option of one year, and you send him on loan, maybe to Spurs, maybe somewhere else, yeah. where he can start and play. 
and that shop windows him and then allows you to sell him after the summer or bring him back to yeah. replace the one who stay or whatever. But having two senior goalkeepers on that money, both of them with the same contract expired because I would not extend Kepa right now. No. And I wouldn't extend Mendy um, either because no. he hasn't played. So just an idea, yeah. just a thought. Reese Nelson is in talks over a contract extension at Arsenal. Gab, yeah, they're close to locking him up until 2027. Yeah, again, I don't get this at all. He's 23, 24 years old now. They've had a long, long look at him. Yeah. Um, I know he scored that phenomenal goal. Against Bournemouth? Uh, unless it's a really club-friendly deal. I don't understand what the purpose is of keeping him, keeping him around when, you know, you've got Saka, you've got Martinelli, you've got Leandro Trossard, you've got Gabriel Jesus, you're going to bring in somebody else. When is this guy going to, you know, do you need to go, unless, again, unless he makes like very little money and he's a, and he's a happy sub, he's never going to, I don't think, unless you think there's a pathway to him to become a starter one day. I think your subs should either be people who are, who are older and get regular playing time, or they should be people where you think there's a pathway to them becoming a, a starter. To me, Reese Nelson is neither. There's no pathway yeah, he's going to improve yeah. at, this era, at this part of his career. And if Reese Nelson gets a ton of playing time this year, it means other people are injured in Arsenal are really bad. So you don't want that to happen <laughs> either. So that's just my view, and it's not a knock on him. I think he's a good kid who loves the club, and you can keep him. If it's club You'll friendly, you replace sure. him anyway. So. All right, since everybody's being linked to Saudi, let's talk about Luka Modric being yeah. sent to Sa La Saudi. Makes sense to you? Well, they're preparing apparently an incredible offer again. I mean, what's there to prepare? Jeez, so like, no, no, but like, I think you need to find a club where, where do you send him? If you're PIF, you need to send him somewhere, right? So do you, you choose like, okay, you go with Cristiano, you go with Benzema, you go, uh, you know, Al Nasser, I don't know, you go. So, but <laughs> it would be, it would be a deal like, maybe not as high as the Benzema one. I don't think so. Maybe more like the Angolo Kante one, who, by the way, hasn't signed yet either Why? some sort of like 100 million over three years probably if you look at do you take it i don't know it depends also if he can stay another season i think this deal would be the next season so if he feels they can play another year at real madrid and if real madrid extend his contract yeah year, they haven't done to, that of yet. course they haven't done that yet then then it's a possibility otherwise would he is he the kind of player who would go to a destination like that just to make a bunch of money. He's yeah. made a ton of money at Real Madrid. Real Madrid have the second highest wage bill in Europe. People seem to forget this, right? Um, they haven't spent a lot on transfers, but they've got a really high wage bill. Uh, so presumably, Luka Modric has made a lot of money in his career. Yeah. Unless you feel no, so a Karim bit of did a, as well. It's just this take it to, like you were saying with Hugo Lloris last I, time, it still takes you to another level. When we were discussing uh, how often Hugo Lloris flies commercial. I will ask him next time I see him, yeah. And then, uh, I just think with Modric, I think it's a little different. You know, Benzema and, and Conte, they're, they're, they're Muslim. There might also be a, a religious component or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. to it. Modric being Croatian, I'm assuming, is, is Catholic. I, I, don't, I don't think he's got any particular connection to Saudi Arabia. Does he just go and need more no, money? No, no, no. I, yeah, yeah. I, I presume also at, this age, at his age, he's, he's out of the Mamic shackles as well. So, yeah, yeah. Come on. you know, come on. I, I don't know. Up to him. Gab, I think you love this one, but Max Allegri is also being linked with a move to Saudi Arabia. He will be reunited with Cristiano Ronaldo. I love this story. You know who loves this story more than me? No. 
99.9% of oh, Juve fans. fans. Yeah. They are praying for this. I think Juve's owners too. Like, oh my oh, God. Oh, Max. Because the reason is, and not that Max is terrible, but he has an enormous contract at Juve. And, and right now they need to save money and, and, and retrench and rebuild. So as I read, apparently Cristiano Ronaldo says like, yes, we need Max Allegri here. Um, I don't know if he's going to pay him out of the chunk of money he makes. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, it's been reported in Italy as well. There's been a massive backlash against Allegri from Saudi fans as well because, really? well, this is the thing, right? Contrary to the way we in the West sometimes depict Saudi Arabia, this is a mature footballing country. Oh, yeah. This is not sure. China. This isn't the US and MLS like in the 1990s. They own televisions. They watch Serie A. They play the freaking Super Cup there. So people say like, hey, what's Allegri been like? Oh, oh not I good. Want him. Nobody wants him at Juve. The Juve fans all want him out. Uh, why should he come here to Al Nasser? Yeah. Or anywhere else? So I think it's a tricky one. Um, again, I think if you're Juve, you're happy with it. But I also think at some point, PIF, for all their omnipotence, they're going to have to know that how local Saudi football fans react to their involvement in the teams is really going to matter. Yeah. And I also wonder the N'Golo Kante thing, he hasn't signed yet, could also be that maybe a bunch of fans of whatever club he's been linked to, I don't even know if we have a name or if it's just generic yeah, it was, Saudi. No, it was with Benzema, so Ali Tihad. Uh, so Ali Tihad fans saying, hey guys, we just won the league. This guy, great guy, he never plays. He's always injured. Can we go and spend the 60 million or 50 million, whatever we're going to give him, go and spend it on somebody who's actually going to make us better so that we can win the Asian Champions League? Yeah. Right? I, I, I think, oh, you know, that's fair. I, I think we've just been so patronizing towards the actual fans of these clubs yeah. in Saudi for so long. Ivan Tony has spoken out about his eight month betting ban and he said he thinks somebody leaked the fact that he was being investigated and that's why it cost him a place in the World Cup. Now, the FA. Had denied this at the time, yeah. saying, "Oh no, it's got nothing to do with him. It's on merit that he's not there." Yeah. Which, if that's true, it's kind of an indictment of our friend Gareth as well, right? Yeah, I mean, they, he, to be fair, he picked him in the following transfer, um, the following international break, and he he actually had a cap, his first cap. So, well, he didn't know he was going to be good, good enough to take to because he had to bring. Who did he bring? So, Callum Wilson was okay. In Qatar. Maybe, um, but yeah, so well, he's not good enough in November, but he's then good enough in March. And in March, we knew that he was still under uh, well, investigation, <laughs> and that we would actually know that the sanctions were coming soon after that. I don't know, I don't think there was any need for a leak anyway. We all knew what was going on, what was happening, and I again, I don't think he can be too bitter about anything Ivan Tuni. Don't do it in the first place and you would have gone to the World Cup probably. So like, why are you moaning about now? Uh, yeah, I can understand why you're disappointed and whatever. No, of course, but, but like, come on. Equally. You put you down know. to your own self. Nobody forced you to do And especially things. Southgate even, remember Southgate saying like, well, it's not fair that he can't even train or whatever and blah, blah, blah. Like, I look, I, you go and do this in other sports, you get banned for lifetimes or even years, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you go and you read all the indictment, you see... You see the kind of things that he bet on. It's not like he's like people have been banned for you know we've had football players banned for betting on NBA games and on te tennis in different yeah. sports. Yeah, right? yeah, you bet on the same sport. Yeah, you bet on the on same league. Team. You bet on your team and you bet on yourself. Yeah, I you know come on. Yeah. Verona staying in Serie A. They beat Spezia 3-1 in the playoff. But got plenty going on in this game from deflected shot to Spezia missing a penalty to a red card. 
we had a playoff because they finished level on points and this is what God would if if God were in charge of our league you loved have, I thought of you watching it oh my god that would be happy this, this stupid moronic like gold difference and head to head nonsense uh, this is the right way to decide who gets to stay up um, yeah. and it was a hell of a game. It was great. Uh, it was it was it was a hell of a game. There's a lot of tension, a, lot, a lot happening. Verona taking uh, uh, the lead with with Faraoni. Um, again, deflected goal. Verona think two deflected goals. Yeah. Faraoni then gets himself sent off by by, by that Luis Suarez yeah, move where he's ball, right yeah. in front of the goal and he he just punches the ball away uh, as it's going in. Uh, and then Menzola missing the penalty. Uh, that yeah. was huge for for first. Well, the red card then clearly terrible penalty incidentally yeah. from uh, from Anzola. Not not you uh, not what you expect. No. And then Ngonge, who is not Paris born and bred because he's, he's Belgian, Belgian, as yeah. I discovered. Yes. Uh, no, I knew that. Uh, he gets Spezia back in the game. Um, wild stuff it's great game entertaining I know nail biter whatever the right way to not do it. a good day for the Esposito family of course because they have three boys mm -hmm. all professional. One play for Barry, who, as we mentioned, lost to Cagliari. Yeah. One play for Spezia, who's going down. And the third one, the youngest one, maybe the, the better one, played for the Italy under-20 team that lost the final of the under-20 World Cup. So, <laughs> I mean, the poor Esposito yeah, family. It's the we, Esposito, it's the Esposito treble, negative treble. The bookies still have Lionel Messi as the winner, despite yeah. Erling Haaland's 52 goals and treble winning ways. Uh, yeah, the Champions League win. I mean, usually if you win the Champions League or the World Cup and the World Cup, you have a bigger chance. I Ooh, think. So maybe you should give to Julian Alvarez then, right? Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Let's remind, there's a few criteria. We're not going to go through the criteria. We've got plenty of time. It's not going to happen for two <laughs> yes. months anyway. But this is who is the best player uh, you know, in this season in the world. Uh -huh. It's not because you win the World Cup and you're very good for a month mm -hmm. that you're the best player in the world, even if you score seven goals, five of them being penalties. It's, if you score eight goals in the World Cup, like Kylian Mbappé, and you just miss out on it in the final, that doesn't mean you're the best player in the world either. <laughs> I love this. But I, love I think this. he's the third man in there, if you fancy, like me, Kylian, to be the Ballon d'Or winner. I think Erling Haaland has... I think there's a greater pitch. chance of Lionel Messi dunking a basketball than there is of him not winning the Ballon d'Or because it's a gigantic... Because he's been really good in the, in the World Cup. Because he was really good in the World Cup, because he's Lionel Messi, because he's... Nah, he, I don't know. He, you know, had, what, 14 assists and 16 goals in Ligue 1 and that yeah, impresses uh, people because he's Lionel Messi and Erling Haaland. He hasn't been good since and because it's a the World Cup. big, big popularity contest. It is. That's all it is. But I think, I think Haaland has a chance. That's all I say. Right. I think Haaland has a chance. We'll see. Cagliari are back in Serie A, Gab, in the most dramatic way ever, and Claudio Ranieri in tears. This is drama. We love the playoffs. So it was Bari against Cagliari. Bari, of course, huge club, huge city. They're, they're waiting so long to get back to, to Serie A. Um, and, you know, in the end, they're hanging on. It's nail-nail. They're going to go through. They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna be promoted. Yeah, first leg, finish 1-1. They leveled in the first leg at the 95th minute on a penalty, Bari. And this time, Pavoletti, 94th minute. The big man off the bench. Scoring the winner for Cagliari, Claudio Ranieri in tears. Oh, Why man. he took over this team um, in December? They were four, uh, 14th yeah. in the league, uh, and 33 years later, after leading Cagliari to promotion to Serie A in 1991, which is what put them in the map, 
boom, there he is doing it again. Uh, I am very happy. 71 years old. 71 is. I mean, I, he's, he, he's a story. Amazing. And he's like a little kid. Incredible. Like a little well kid. done to You almost think he won the Premier League with Leicester or something. Imagine, yeah. Uh, Jules, that brings us to an end. But we got to come back. On uh, Thursday, so much going on. The transfer market entering full swing. Nations League. The Maybe Nations Italy League can win something, up. eh? What? Maybe Italy can win something. I, I, I see something Italy related. Losing another three final. Fi- three finals, three defeats. Three, three defeats, but I think the better team definitely in the Conference League. Okay, Europa League, not so much. Champions League could have gone to Mexico. I, I view this as yeah, two draws don't and two find, Yeah, don't... Okay, to, yeah, can keep reassuring yourself. <laughs> Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.